I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, March 30, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We're going to take a look at a variety of different charts, a variety of different markets. We're going to decipher exactly what the market's doing, what it's likely to do going forward, and all that put together should be a recipe to make some dough. That's the goal. That's what we're headed toward. So let's get busy picking apart the charts. First of all, what's the first thing that jumps out at me when this chart populates the screen? Well, there's actually two or three things. Number one is we traded into or at least had the appearance that we traded into the 20 period moving average today. Is that true? Where is the 20 period moving average? 262.90. What is the high today? 262.43. Actually, it was 262.92 against 262.43. We call that in technical terms a near miss. What else do we have up there? We have a horizontal trend line that we've been looking at for a few days, 263.09. It's not a coincidence or an accident that the 20 period moving average is somewhere in the vicinity of that at the same time the market happens to be in the vicinity of said price. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences. This is just the way the market works. Okay, next topic. What else jumps off the page at me when I look at this chart? Well, knowing that we've been discussing an ABC pattern, let's address whether or not we're seeing an ABC pattern, or if not, what are we seeing? Well, nothing's really changed from my standpoint. So if you take a look at this bottom that was made, we have an initial leg higher, which is A. So one could say, well, did A end the other day and this little pullback is B? No, I'm not looking at it that way. For a B leg of an ABC to this magnitude after the amount of points that the market came down, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something like this, so we didn't get that. So what do we have? We have a continuation right now, at least the appearance of a continuation. We're still not above Thursday's high, but we have the appearance of a continuation of an A leg. So what could happen in this case? Well, the A leg could just go right here. Why is that important or why is that relevant? Why do I even point that out? Because we've already been discussing those numbers. So originally I thought maybe the ABC could have an A leg up, B pullback, and then C complete in that 271 to 274 neighborhood. However, maybe, and this isn't confirmed yet, this is just a hypothesis going forward for the next trading day or so. Maybe the A leg can culminate up in that zone. Then we can have a B leg pullback. And that could be the type of deeper pullback that I've been looking for. This is essentially the pre-planning phase. We don't know what we have because we really haven't looked under the hood yet. We haven't looked at an hourly chart. We haven't looked at a 120 minute chart, a 240 chart, any other chart. We only have seen the daily chart and we're only discussing what we were looking for leading from last week into the beginning of this week. What else we got? Well, we got a couple of things. 
One more thing on the chart, and this is really the third thing off this chart today. The third thing is the volume. I can't help but notice the decreasing volume really since we made the low. There's a little stutter step in there, but for the most part, when you look at the volume trend, and let's identify the trend as here's where the low is made, and the volume trend is lower as the price goes higher. Now, let me mention a couple of things on that topic. Whenever the volume drops down and price goes higher, we tend to have a lot of traders that like to post stuff under the video about because the volume is lighter, we're looking for a pullback, we're looking for a correction, we're looking for a failure, all that stuff. These are traders that are already short and they're looking for an excuse or a reason why something might happen. It's really based on hope, not reality or fact. Let me explain further. The market goes up on light volume all the time. Intraday, day-to-day, all the time. The path of least resistance in light volume is higher. Case in point, if you go look at the 2009 low and the run-up all the way for the next 10 or 11 years, guess what? In contrast or in concert with what we're talking about, the market ran up that entire bull market on low volume. It was a low volume bull market. Of course you had tremendous volume days along the way in the middle or the end of corrections. You're going to have high volume coming in off the correction, institutional participation for the next leg higher. But when you take it as an aggregate, the market went up for 10 or 11 years on light volume. So it's not out of the ordinary for the market to go higher on light volume. So while we notice the volume is getting lighter from a trend standpoint, doesn't mean the market can't go higher. What does it mean then? Well, for me, for this trader, what it means is we don't really have institutional conviction buying. Now let's distinguish between institutionals buying and institutional conviction buying. Institutions are always buying. There's money flows into mutual funds just the same as there's money flows out of mutual funds. They're buying, pension funds are buying, money managers are buying with cash available if they're half intelligent when the market crashes 35%. They have to dip their toe in to sectors they like, to businesses they like. That's the business they're in. doesn't matter whether or not you or me or anybody else agrees with what they're doing. What I'm doing is stating a fact that they're always buying. However, when you see heavy volume and there's an up day and it's tremendous volume, that's different. That's institutional conviction buying. And what that tells you is they're gearing up or they're kicking off another really, really tremendous or powerful leg to the upside. That's not what we're seeing right now. So what I'm saying is, while the market could certainly go higher for another day or two or three, my expectation is up in that or before 271 to 274 area, we're going to see the high of the A leg culminate and we'll see the beginning of a B leg. We're still, or at least this trader, I'm still working off that premise. We have to keep something in front of mind. It's the market's job to fool, trick, trap, and frustrate as many traders and investors as much of the time as possible. And I'm fully aware I said that out of order. That was on purpose. What else we got? 
How about the end of the quarter? So we have the end of the quarter tomorrow. We had today and tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, with the potential for window dressing. What's window dressing? Well, as far as I'm concerned, it's hocus pocus and more in tune with an old wives' tale. Window dressing is when, quote-unquote, money managers will pepper their books with positions or stocks that they want the public to see that they held during the last quarter. Now, whether that goes on or not anymore, I don't really know. But you can make a case for window dressing if the market goes up, and you can make a case for window dressing if the market goes down. If the market went down today and subsequently went down again tomorrow, I could say it was window dressing and they were unloading stuff that they didn't want their shareholders to see that they were holding. If the market goes up like it did today and up again tomorrow, I could say it's window dressing and they wanted to show the market or their shareholders that they were holding stocks that had tremendous rallies off the bottom. Either way, it's window dressing if the market goes up or the market goes down. So that being the case, for me, it just cancels out and I forget about it. What happens when we drill down to a 240-minute chart? Do we see anything important? Do we see anything that gives us information or clues about what the market might be doing next? Well, we're comfortably above the 20-period moving average, right in the middle between that and the 50-period moving average. We've tested the 263.09 price on Thursday. They didn't get there. They came up short. They came up about 29 cents short. They didn't get there again, but they're hanging around. They never really were rejected significantly from that area. When you look at this chart, I know the points are a lot, but that's the type of market environment we're in. The swings are high, wide, and deep. But when you just look at this chart, there's no severe rejection from up there. What we're doing is we had a near miss and we're coming back to take care of business. Now, what's the likelihood we just stop there and reverse back down? Well, from where I sit, that's unlikely. It's more likely or more probable that on the second run, because of the near miss, we don't get rejected from 263.09 and we continue on to the higher prices up near the 50 period moving average on this chart, which is in concert with the high of the A leg proposed, or at least the hypothesis, or one of the hypotheses that we just discussed when we had the daily chart. Now, what about when we look at the 120-minute chart? What do we see? We see something similar, but a little bit different. We see a market that looks like it's basically been consolidating right underneath that 263 price area for quite a while. From where I sit on this chart, it's building energy to bust through to get to what? To get to the 100 period moving average on this chart, which also coincides just as the other moving average, the 50 period moving average on the 240 chart coincided with the same price area up in that 271.5 to 274 zone. So you can see where we have a bullish pattern we have a couple of moving averages up above that should act as magnets or be magnetic to price. So you can see where, from where I sit, the chart remains bullish until it's not. That happens to be the duck. What's the duck? It's very simple. If you're new here, it walks like a duck and talks like a duck. It's a duck. That's it. We keep things simple. Let's not make it any more complicated than it needs to be. 
What about when we go to the hourly chart? What do we see? We see a market that's doing the same thing we just saw on the 120-minute chart. It's consolidating underneath the 263 zone to do what? To go higher and challenge what? Well, of course, the same area. And look on this chart, you see pretty clearly high. We didn't point it out elsewhere. You have a pivot high here, 271.08. That's an important price area. Why is that an important price area? Because the market's telling us it is. We're not telling us. I'm not telling you. The market is telling us. How so? Because it ran up there and was rejected. Closed up there one day at the close. The next day, tremendous gap lower. That's a rejection from that price. When price comes back to revisit that area, we can expect under what? under normal garden variety market conditions, that there will be some semblance of overhead resistance. That's just simply the way the market works. All right, I'm spidered out. Let's see what's going on in Camp IWM. Same routine, and we know the drill. All markets are basically trading together. It's all the same market. Not to the same magnitude, not all the time, not to the exact same time and price. All that stuff we know. But a rising tide lifts all boats, and when they pull the rug out or open the trap door, they all go down together. Therefore, it's all the same market. However, this is my favorite market leading indicator. Can we gain any information from the IWM today? Yes, we can. A, it's bullish and it's likely headed to the 20 period moving average. But B, why was it up 2% today when the spider was up 3.25%? Because it's lagging the market. Doesn't mean it can't go higher with everything else, but it's a tell. Under normal garden variety market conditions, that's something like a tell. It's a canary in the coal mine. I know we use that with the transports, but we can use that anytime we want. So when we see something diverging, it's of note. It becomes a puzzle piece. It goes on the table. Doesn't mean the market collapses tomorrow. Doesn't mean the IWM collapses tomorrow. It means we're watching. They're giving us a signal. It's like when you're walking in the woods and you leave a trail. Somebody's leaving a trail. We have to follow the trail to see where it leads. It's another metaphor for the picture. It's all the same thing. How about the VIX? Is this telling us anything confirming or not confirming what we just discussed? No, it's confirming. By closing today below the 20 period moving average, it's kind of a shot across the bow saying, hey, it's weak. We could have closed above it, but we didn't put in this nice wedgish, bearish wedgish pattern over the last several days, riding the 20 period moving average, now beginning to break down. If this plays out correctly or plays out the way it looks like it's playing out on the chart, the way it's designed to play out, what happens on the other side? What happens to the stock market? It goes higher. That goes in concert with everything we just discussed. Now, the caveat is, if we wake up to a gap down of tremendous proportions on Tuesday morning, then all bets are off. How's that possible? Because it will be turnaround Tuesday. It's not what the charts are saying. Just felt like mentioning turnaround Tuesday. What's going on down at the transportation department? Well, we have a market that's beating on the 20 period moving average. So the more it beats on it, the more likely it is to beat through and get above the 20 period moving average. If we're going to see higher price in the SPY 
and we're going to see higher prices around the horn, the IWM and the likes of other markets, other indexes, then we're going to see them in the transports as well. However, Canary in the coal mine. Again, we have a market that was up 1.19% against the SPY that was up over 3%. Again, how do we read this? Maybe it catches up and we find the transports outperforming in a day or two. That's not what we have today. What we have today is what we're able to read from the tape. What we have is a market that's diverging and lagging. So my two favorite market leading indicators, the IWM and the transports are lagging. They're diverging to the downside or at least indicating that we could see some downside. It's of note. They're puzzle pieces. They're on the table. This stuff is important. Even though the market, the stock market is headed higher, we know that we're likely to see it peter out turn around and head back in the other direction. The objective is twofold. Are we going to be right? And if we're going to be right, where are we going to be right? That's the challenge. That's what we're trying to do here. That's how we can all make money if I'm right. Speaking of being right, let's take a detour, a little bit of a short hop, and let's go over to Inside the Numbers. Let's take a gander at what was said, what we discussed in the commentary. We'll take a look at Stocks on the Move, and we'll see how traders were able to make money today. Yes, traders were able to make money today. There's a variety of ways they were able to do that. Let's check it out. First off, the market took a huge dip overnight, but then recovered. What that's telling me is bullish behavior. It's telling me that because of the recovery, they're going to angle to run a test at minimum of the overnight highs. That's where I'm coming from early in the morning. I start out with a wide range, and as the morning comes together, the range narrows tighter and tighter and tighter until I have what's called an opening range. Above the opening range is bullish, below the opening range is bearish. We know what we have to work with, we know when we're wrong, we know the numbers, and therefore, we know how to make money in this market. So here's what happened. Early in the morning, the market was beating on from underneath, from the south side it was beating on, and I'm going to use the S&P E-mini futures because that's what trades in the pre-market and overnight from Sunday night on forward. So it was beating on a specific price area, we'll call it 2535. So I see this going on, so I put it on the board. There it is, the mirror image down at the bottom is the bull case. Most of the morning, they've been hammering on the spot around ES2535, give or take, without success. Common sense would tell us this would be the gateway toward the overnight highs. What does that mean? That means if they can bust through 2535, they're likely going to test the overnight highs. All right, let's go forward to the early thoughts. As the morning progressed, the market got stronger. Okay, so what do we do with that information? As long as the market stays above the most recent area of resistance, which is now what? 25.35. They stay bullish. So they break out above a specific area, and what does that become? It becomes the breakout area. How many times do we have to go over this? We go over it over and over and over again. Why? Because it works over and over and over again. What do we reiterate? The same thing that we like to do over and over again for the early morning trades. We have to be aware of the shakeout. 
Expect some activity from Trick and Company, also known as the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew. The early bogey is whether the market can stay above or gives up what? ES2535. Staying above will create a test of the recent early morning highs and higher. We'll let them shake out the weak hands for a while. This goes on the board before the opening bell. Let's move along. 940, and here comes the shakeout. So the market pops up right out of the gate, and then the shakeout begins. Keep an eye on the aforementioned breakout area for initial support. What was that? 2535. By 945, so they did the thing where they run up right out of the gate, come down, shake out the longs. Where did they run down to? The last breakout area cited before the opening bell. I think you get the point. I'm going to scroll up. You can read it on your own. What we're going to do after I finish scrolling up to the top, the point is when you get a morning trade like that under your belt, the rest of the day becomes rather simple. Stress-free. Eh, maybe not stress-free all the time, but lower stress. You'll see later on that we start citing other numbers that come into play, come into fruition. 2,600. Why? Because these numbers become magnetic. You can see where we begin discussing 2,600 when the market was 20, 30 points away. Why? Because it's an awareness. The market keeps doing the same stuff over and over and over again, regardless of whether we're talking about 2,600, 2,500, 2,700, 2,300, halfway home, 2,550, 2,450. You know the routine. You've seen this over and over and over again. So what I'll do is I'll just scroll up so you can read. You can pause the video, start and stop it. Just read the notes. See if it's something you think you can sink your teeth into. If you're active and trading during the trading day, it's almost like a crime not to have inside the numbers at your disposal, not to have the commentary at your disposal. Where are the resistance areas? Where is the support? Inside the numbers, traders are not surprised at most of the supports and most of the resistance areas cited each and every day. How about stocks on the move? So we had a nice little laundry list on the board today. We had three hit their price objectives. We had Boeing Airlines, American Airlines, and Delta Airlines. It's not Boeing Airlines, it's Boeing Aerospace. It's Boeing. Remember, these are on the board long before the opening bell. We'll start with Boeing Co. My apologies for having the proper name slip my mind. What didn't slip my mind were the numbers. So what you saw up on the board from this morning was an entry number one of 144.50. You see what happened here. And Boeing was getting hit pretty hard today. So we had a close the day before. Friday's close was 162. 161.99. So Boeing opened up today at 153.81 and continued lower. Where did it come to in the first 15-minute candle of the day? Right into 144.50 and bounced right off of it. But it took a while to get going, but it did get going, finishing where? 152.27. The numbers were good. How about American Airlines? Now, the airlines themselves, they're a separate rodeo. So I had two numbers on the airlines. 1289, 11.92. What we do here is take a half a position at number one, half a position at number two, you meet me in the middle, and this one, while we got out with a profit or a scratch or whatever you wanted to do as a trader, it wasn't a loss, it wasn't a gain, it just was a dud. 
Look at this. This is interesting. What's the high in this candle? 12.88 against our first entry of 12.89. Do you think that's an accident or a coincidence? So I'll give you a clue. When you see that, that's the market telling you it can't get up above the original important price, the first entry. The first entry was resistance. It's resistance now. What was once support is now resistance. When they can't get through it, coming back from down south to north, sometimes you have to take that as a clue, cut, and run. Not all the time, but today it was a cut and run. I know what some of you are thinking. You don't know until after whether it's a cut and run. I know that. Here's the third one that hit its target objective, Delta Airlines. And you can see here the two numbers, 2703, 2615, right in between them would have been the average cost. Call it 26 and a half for argument's sake. Where was low of day? Low is 26 even, right below the second entry. What happened? This one finally went on a rocket ride. And just by 11.30, or as I like to say, minutes later, was at a high of 29.29. And doing what? Filling the gap. Whoops, got that number wrong. Let's make the correction. Didn't fill the gap. The high was 29.29. The gap, had it been filled, would have been 29.55. So they come up short of the gap. Doesn't change the rocket ride, just needed to make the correction. So there's inside the numbers, the commentary, stocks on the move. You see everything that was there. If it's something you think you can utilize, benefit from, profit from, like the other traders that are members of Inside the Numbers, then come over and give it a try. Come to the website and you'll find where to go to sign up or register for Inside the Numbers. Are we going to find anything different with the Qs, the folks out in Silicon Valley? Well, we do find something a little bit different. We find a market that has relative strength above the 20-period moving average, hit it once, closed above it, but were rejected on Friday. Now we're right back above it. That strength, we're challenging Thursday's high. This market is telling us It wants to go higher. Where does it want to go? Well, in theory, you would think it wants to get to the 200-period moving average right around 199. Maybe it gets sucked up to 200. We'll see. You're going to need probably more than another bullish day in the market. You might need two. Not sure we get it. What's before there? Here's a pivot high at 194.48. So, that being said, if the market looks bullish in the morning on Tuesday... Remember, if you're NASDAQ traders or Q traders, remember, as bullish as the market may look at any given time, 194.5 should be, under normal garden variety market conditions, overhead resistance. And we'll leave that up on the board. XLF, this is just in concert with all markets look the same. It's all the same market. They're all trading similar to the same. No change. Nothing new to report. We can move it along. Do we find anything valuable or evidence in Smashmouth, SMH, which is the proxy for the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index? And the answer is, yes, we do. Similar to the Qs, leading, and the SMH leads the tech sector from a leading indicator standpoint. So we have the SMH leading the tech space and the tech space leading from a momentum standpoint the rest of the market. So things still look bullish Until and unless we see a sign or signal of a trend change, it's bullish. It is what it is. That is hashtag as it stands Monday evening reading the tape.
Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are not possible? All true and very, very accurate information. All that being said, folks, it's everything I really wanted to and intended to discuss today. So I'm going to pull the ripcord here and give it a wrap. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.